This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome back to Rocketship.fm. We're continuing on our journey this season with these workplace confessionals. And you've been sending some great confessions so far. Please keep them coming in. Yeah, because really we're only just getting started. So we're starting to fill out the rest of the season. So definitely send those confessions. If you've got more to share, uh, just email us at team at rocketship.fm. That's team at rocketship.fm. But for today, we've got two confessions that are less about product confessions and more about people confessions. We, we're we seeing a lot of these types of confessions come in, and they're definitely ones that, I don't know, you might be able to relate to. Yeah, although I hope in today's case, maybe you don't relate to them so much. <laughs> okay, let's not give it away just yet, but uh, we've got a lot of episode to get through here. 
All right, fair enough. Then let's do that. Uh, but first, of course, we have to roll the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, where your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So two confessionals to go through. Uh, and again, they're not necessarily product confessions. But really more like people confessions. Yeah, I definitely would say that they fit into the people category. And we're going to hear our first confession soon. And then we'll dig in with our guest expert. And actually, I want to tell you a little bit more about our guest expert. Michael, maybe I can share some things about her and you can try to guess who it is. Sure. Okay, so her. That's a clue. Okay, I guess I'm already giving clues and I'm not even trying, but uh, yes, uh, okay, it is It is a female. Uh, I'll give you some more clues. She is currently a product leader at Robinhood, um, but actually before that, she led the product team at The Skim um, and actually got her product career started at ESPN. Robinhood, The Skim, ESPN. And you may have seen her take the stage at Industry, the product conference in 2017. Uh, she spoke about the role of teams in small and large organizations alike. And that's actually one of the reasons why I asked her to be our guest expert today. These confessionals, they're, they're about people issues, team issues. Okay. Well, you know, just spill it. <laughs> our guest today is... It, it's Deirdre Cower. And uh, again, Deirdre's on the consumer experience side of the product team at Robinhood. She also just happens to be one of my favorite product people. She's always helpful, positive. Deirdre's just awesome. Okay. Well, I'm excited to get Deirdre's insights. Uh, but first, we should hear our first confession. I believe this confession is titled Workplace High. I'm a junior designer at a company that I'll keep nameless. But chances are... You're very familiar with it and have our app installed on your phone and use it all the time. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway, I've been part of the company for the past year and a half and it's been pretty rewarding so far. I've been able to work on products that are used by millions of people. Pre-COVID, I enjoyed the common workplace perks you hear of at big tech companies, like the free lunches, free barista-staffed coffee bar, the works. I know that some think those are trivial, but I actually enjoyed that kind of stuff. Anyway, I guess that's not the point. The point is, I've enjoyed my job, but I've noticed that our workplace culture feels a lot like high school. There are definitely cliques. There seems to be a lot of gossip. I assumed that this is probably the case at every company, but I have some friends that tell me it's not the case where they are. I thought when we went remote, I'd at least get to get a break from that, but there are private Slack channels that were created just to gossip. I don't participate in it, but I also worry a little bit that by not participating, I may be the one gossiped about. My friends tell me to just not even think about it, but I've got to admit, it's hard for me not to. But I'm also annoyed that this type of high school stuff I thought I wouldn't have to deal with anymore even still exists in the first place. I'm not quite sure if there's anything I can do to help in this situation, or do I just ignore it? After leaving high school, I never really looked back, and for good reason. I hate that it's starting to feel that way at work now, especially since I like my actual job and the company itself, but what do I do? A workplace environment that feels like high school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a reason that the 20-year high school reunion that I had about a year ago, that was the first time I interacted with 
most of the people I went to high school with. I don't, I don't miss high school all that much. Uh, I definitely wouldn't want my workplace to feel like high school. No, I, I can't say I even attended uh, any of the reunions. So, <laughs> yeah, the drama, the gossip. Um, all right. Yeah, it's rough. So let's just get Deirdre's take on all of this. I know for me personally, I actually have not. I don't think I've ever been in a workplace where it's exactly like this. Like maybe the very first company I was with, it was younger generally when I started. So yeah. maybe there some more of that than, but it wasn't to this extreme. So I, I don't know, have you come across people that have been in this sort of situation in the past? Yeah. So same as you, I think I've been pretty lucky in that, you know, I've worked in small and big environments, but generally it's been like a very positive experience and good cultures and, you know, like a lot of good camaraderie, but not gossipy or, you know, I would say like quote unquote cliquish or, or culty. Um, but like you said, I think it's, I, I do sense that it's, it can be really common at larger companies when there's a very uh, young set of employees, you know, and I, I've definitely had friends who have had these experiences. <laughs> and, and have you had to be that sort of um, shoulder for them to, you know, not shoulder to cry on, but you know, like, have they relied on you for for a kind of feedback, like what, what did you, what advice might you give to somebody that's in a situation like this? Yeah, it's interesting because I think, I mean, obviously in general, it depends. Company culture is so important, right? You have to enjoy the company that you're working at. You have to enjoy the people that you're working with. There's no world where you can just put your head down and do your job and have that be uh, happiness independent of the humans around you, right? That's just, I, I just think that's impossible. So I think so much of it depends, right? So some of the things that I was thinking about when I've had friends you know, talk to me about these types of situations is who are the people, you know? Is it literally the team that you're working with? I think even more importantly, is it managers, right? Is it is it more of the leaders at the company or is it more of this like specific click, you know, that's a, a subset of the company uh, at a specific group of people where it's not necessarily impacting the day-to-day -day work that you're doing or the people that you interact with in meetings or the people that actually impact your job performance, right? And it's, yeah. uh, it's more of like a subculture that you might just have to ignore or figure out if you can work around, sort of like what your friend said. Yeah. I know. I like thinking of it that way. If it's, if it's the managers, if it's yeah. like your people that you're reporting to, that seems really hard to fix. Like that sort of seems like a situation where it's like, Maybe even though you enjoy things, you might never be able to to sort of avoid that. And I don't know if I'd want to be in a place like that, but yeah. it sounds like if it's not that situation, like we might be able to avoid some of these uncomfortable situations, um, possibly. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, too, because, you know, I've... I've gone from being, you know, right out of college, right, and and in the the young crew at a company to now I feel a little bit old, and I'm sure that you know that that exists at almost every company I've been at to an extent. I just necessarily haven't been exposed to it, and you know, you there, you can you can not participate <laughs> or not be affected by it. Obviously, depending on the company size, it just depends. I really think it depends on how much it impacts the actual you know work that you're doing and and your day to day interactions and. The last thing I'll probably say is that I think you also have to kind of get to the root of it mentally. If it's just going to bother you, you know, and, and it really is going to impact the day to day for you, then that is part of the company culture, right? That, I think that's going to be a, a negative experience overall. But again, if it's if it's like a subculture, if it's a certain group of people and you can kind of carve out your own crew, your own, the people that you work with that you really enjoy working with and that don't have that, you can, there, there's so many ways to work around that, you know? <laughs> 
I totally get that. It now, if this person, say this person decides to leave, or somebody else, you know, that's it, finding themselves in a similar situation, they decide to move on. Is there anything that they can do when they're in the process of looking at new companies to sort of figure out if this sort of thing lives there too? So hopefully, we can avoid this type of situation in the future, right? Yeah. So. Overall, I think you've got a back channel company culture. You know, there you, you can you can pick up on spidey senses during an interview process, right? You can get a feel for the people, but in terms of you know the Slack channels, you know even um, in general, is it you know a, a direct transparent culture? Is it a culture that kind of talks behind people's backs? I think you've got to figure out how to back channel that and get a sense of what that's like because you know there's only like I said, there's only so much you can pick up in an interview process. So what, some of the things that I've done is you know I've just tried to f- find friends that, you know, either work at the company or, you know, had no people work at the company and just be like, you know, what's it like? Are you, is everybody friends? Um, is it, you know, is it gossipy? Again, I, a lot of it, a lot of the questions I tend to ask her around, is it more of a direct, open, transparent culture, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of a, a segue into some of the, <laughs> the issues that this person is mentioning. Um, and then you can kind of ask the questions like, you know, hey, are, is everybody going out to happy hour? Is it overly clicky where it's, you know, it, it's getting almost past the point of professional relationships. And then there's just, you know, these people, certain, you know, subcultures and groups that are, you know, just uh, uh, constantly hanging out and it would be hard to break into that. I think you've got to back channel that stuff and figure out, you know, what the vibe of the company is like. But again, at the end of the day, for bigger companies, especially, there's always going to be these different subcultures. So when I'm back channeling for new companies, a lot of it is also about, you know, leadership style and general company culture around transparency and directness, because even if they're little cliques or little subcultures, you can find your niche, right? You can find your crew. You can find the people that you like and enjoy hanging out with. I I love that. And it's, it's a good reminder too, that it's like, just like companies will get references on us and they're looking for those references. We ought to be doing the same thing. Like we ought to be talking to people that have worked there in the past. Maybe it's friends of ours or, or maybe it's people that certainly the world's small, right? I'm sure that we're all connected to somebody that might've worked at that company. So, um, I like that. And it's great advice. And it's funny, I mean, we kind of know this too. Some of the bigger companies have reps, <laughs> you know, like you hear, and, and, and it's not necessarily tied to this specifically, but you hear some companies are a little bit more political where, you know, even in your job, you have to play a little bit more of the political game to figure out how to get resources or climb your way up the career ladder. Others are different. Like there's so many ways to kind of get get that type of information, but it's pretty important because once you pick a place, you're it's going to be really hard for you to, you know, have a moment where you uncover something that you don't like about the culture and then feel like stuck, you know? Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, before the break, we heard the confession workplace high. All of the drama and gossip of high school, but now right there in your workplace. How nostalgic. Yeah, not the kind of nostalgia that I'm into though, Michael. <laughs> Me either. So, so we do have one more confession though, don't we? We do. And again, just like our first confession, I hope that this is one that most people don't have to relate to. Um, But unfortunately, I have a feeling that it's actually not the case. All right. Well, here it is. A confession we're calling underpaid. I'm just going to be blunt here. I just found out that my male counterpart is making 30% more than me. And to say I'm upset about it is a big understatement. For some quick background, I'm a product manager on the software side of a big fast food chain. I work specifically on the team in charge of our mobile app. 
there are two of us product managers that really lead a certain part of the app, me and my colleague. I'll call him Chad, because he really is a Chad. Anyway, Chad and I joined the company at the same time and actually went to the same CS program and graduated in the same year. Our company recruits heavily at our school, so we were a part of the same incoming group of employees four years ago. Our resume is the same, same program, same experience. We've both been promoted to the same level of position. Last week, we were video chatting and it came up how the company was going to be sending out our bonuses soon. This was sort of a hot topic because we weren't sure if the company was going to cut back on bonuses due to COVID. But we actually did better than we thought we would throughout the pandemic, so we just learned the bonuses were on. At our company, bonuses are, as a standard, 10% of your salary, unless you're in upper management. Chad made a passing comment how he would use that extra $15,000 and how he planned to put it right into Bitcoin because, of course, Chad would. But it caught me off guard. $15,000. That meant that Chad was making $150,000. My salary is at $115,000. And I just had my annual review. And while I'm planning to get a small increase, it isn't putting me anywhere close to $150,000. I brought this up to my group of friends from college, which is actually pretty rare, because candidly, money isn't something that's come up a ton. But it turns out that two of my friends found themselves in a similar position finding out that one of their male counterparts made more than them, despite having the same role and relatively similar experience. I'm honestly at a loss. It's not just disappointing, but I feel like I've been cheated. I know I need to bring this up. I just am not quite sure exactly how, but this just isn't right. I'm sure Deidre has heard stories like this all too often, at least based on the number of confessions we've actually got. We're pretty similar to this one. Um, I don't know. Let's get her take on it. What do you say to somebody that's in this situation? This is this is rough. This is not this is like something that people shouldn't have to deal with. But I this isn't the first time I've heard of things like this happening. This is like seems like this happens all the time. Yes. So the first thing I want to say is Ugh. I mean, yeah. it sucks. And like you said, it's way more common than we would like, obviously, and, and like and way more common than it should be. This has happened to me, like literally this exact same situation. Uh, so this has happened to me and, you know, this this will happen to uh, uh, my friends and I'm sure this will happen to me again because that's unfortunately kind of the state of the world that we're in. Um, I think the first thing is confirming the last note here, which is that, yes, you need to do something about it. And it's not going to be easy and you're going to have that pit in your stomach, you know, and you're going to feel like you've been cheated and you have been, to be honest, because this is not OK and this is unfair. Um, but unfortunately, you do need to do something about it because this is unacceptable and you know, as you know, a woman myself, um, I've had, like I said, I've had this moment and uh, have thought about, you know, is it is it worth kind of fighting this? Is it worth uh, taking a stand, doing something about it? And at the, at the end of the day, while I wish the, the system was equal and that companies were handling this themselves, you know, uh, it, they're not. And so you have to stand up for yourself and 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 make this happen. Um, and so my advice overall is one 
you know, give yourself some time to process, right? You know, it's a really hard moment and it doesn't, you know, just uh, immediately go away and you, you know, it's, it's hard to almost like buck up the courage sometimes to, to recognize that you need to deal with this and then to commit to it and say, you know, I'm going to take a stand here. I'm going to stand up for myself. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this situation, whatever the outcome may be. I'm going to make sure that uh, I am getting uh, paid the way I should be and getting treated fairly. Um, and then like commit to that mentally, <laughs> you know, because there are so many ways that this can shake out and you have to kind of be prepared for that. Um, then what I would say is that, you know, this needs to be a conversation and you need to be prepared to have that conversation very directly with your manager, with HR and however it ends up getting handled internally. Um, when I've seen this happen in the past, either with me or with, with friends, uh, Sometimes it depends on also how comfortable you feel talking to the person whose data you now know, you know, because that can be actually a really great data point, you know, to actually go into the conversation. Based on the this story, I don't know if Chad is somebody that <laughs> this person feels comfortable approaching and being like, hey, how much are you making? Because I'm not making that much. Um, but, you know, in, in, every situation is different. And uh, what I've actually seen in a positive light is that I've seen a lot of uh, male allies, you know, be very open to sharing their comp with their, you know, uh, women friends, women coworkers in order to help these types of situations. So, you know, maybe it's not for this situation, but in general, um, the more we can kind of break through and start to have those conversations openly, the more you can get those transparent data points about how much people are making around you and you can approach the conversation in a very data-driven way, right? Um, and so step one, what I would say is, you know, do you feel comfortable having that conversation with him um, or get collecting maybe some data points elsewhere so that you can really go in armed, right? Because that is a non-starter then to the conversation. You going into that conversation and saying, uh, I know that, you know, X people are making in my role and in my same level the same amount of experience or making X more than me, this is unacceptable. Um, if you don't feel comfortable approaching anybody to actually get that data, I think you can still have that conversation and say it in a little bit more of a veiled way. Um, so one way I would say that is, you know, go to your manager uh, and HR will probably end up getting looped in too and say, you know, I have data that shows that, you know, keep my counterparts are making X more than me. And I want to know why. And I want to express that that's unacceptable to me. And I want to understand how we can come to a resolution on that. And the, I, I just, I could talk about this for so long, um, but then I'll say that that's, that's, you need to be prepared to kind of go in and have that conversation, show the data, whether it's a direct piece of data or more of that kind of veiled approach, and then be prepared to walk. You know, um, and, and that's why I was saying earlier, you know, kind of steal yourself, prepare yourself. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, depending on how the company responds in in, in ideal scenario, you, you stood up for yourself, you went in with data and they resolved it. Right. And they recognize their mistake and you can kind of move on in a positive, you know, way together. Um, if they can't, then I don't my gut is that you're going to have a really hard time reconciling that in your job, you know, and uh, it doesn't mean that you walk, you know, immediately, right. You're going to have to think about what that means for your career and what your other op options are. Um, but in my experience, it's, it's really hard to know that. And even if the company gives you a little bit of a bump or something to know that you are fundamentally being underpaid, it's very, very hard to get past that. And so um, 
again, the last thing I'll just say is uh, this is hard. Um, we a lot of us have been there, unfortunately. Um, but you know, uh, I think it's important to stand up for yourself, and you know, hopefully, this continues to get better over time. And also use the people around you for support. You know, uh, as especially the women around us. The, the community is amazing. Um, there's so many people who are there to kind of give advice, give support, help, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a tough one. I it definitely a tough one, but I think that's all great feedback. It, the, the point you made is the problem's not going to go away by itself. Like you do yeah. have to do something about it. Um, and, and but it's a it's a hard conversation. So rely yeah. on the support network that you have. I think that could be really helpful. Is there? I don't even know how it's, first of all, we shouldn't even have to talk about whether it can be preventable because it just shouldn't yeah. be happening. But is, you know, let's just, if, if they are, if somebody's looking for a role, is there any, like, how do we, how do we, how do we prevent this? Right. I mean, I don't even know what we could do in the interview process to understand if we're on the same level or do, like, is this something maybe we should be bringing up in interviews or people should be bringing up when they're interviewing with companies? Yeah, it's actually related to the last conversation we had. Back channeling is even more important with this, right? Understanding how a company is thinking, approaches comp. I mean, you should ask them, obviously, talk to the recruiter, talk to the hiring manager. You know, as part of the interview process, you're going to get a sense of comp. And then, you know, the, the thing I'll always say is, you know, automatically negotiate, right? This is what women often do is, you know, we take what we're handed and, you know, uh, you should just default be negotiating <laughs> your comp. But I think that the back channeling and getting a sense of, you know, how does this, what does is, what is comp look like at the company in general? especially if you have if you know people who know people who already work there and can kind of give you a sense of things um, that'll give you a, a great data point too um, the, the flag is like I think uh, a lot of companies I've seen have start have really worked to remedy these things especially recently and you know are really establishing strict bans and kind of a really structured approach to comp um, but a lot are not right and so it ends up being very up to the individual and their you know desire to negotiate their hard you know their, their ability to hardball and that's that's unacceptable right it should you know things like set, like comp should not be left up to an individual's negotiating power to that extent and so our yourself with the data arm yourself with you know as much as you can and then you know woman to woman make sure that you're default negotiating that's something that you should do and and always stand up for yourself regardless of you know how comfortable you you feel you know instinctually doing so yeah well i this is this is great advice hopefully this will help the person that made this confession it sucks that they're in this situation but hopefully they don't have to meet it the next time for sure yeah definitely um, we will be right back after a word from our sponsors So these two confessions, I know there's a lot that can be learned from these, don't you think? Absolutely. And as always, we'll go with one big takeaway from each here. And um, I don't know, I might as well start because we just heard that underpaid confession and that's exactly where my mind is right now. All right. Well, let's hear it. The big takeaway for me is that there really is a disparity in pay between men and women. It's not hypothetical. I think Deidre gave some great feedback here on what can be done about this and really I don't know, there's no better feedback that I could personally give, but I, I can talk a little bit about what we did at Dribble to try to address this. And we, we set up a formal pay scale that all employees fall within. And uh, it's based on some very simple criteria. It's based on market data that we update yearly. And that way, no matter what position anyone has, no one can negotiate above or below 
this pay scale. And so it keeps everyone within the same bands that is at the same level. And this was our way of trying to address pay inequality that happens naturally through the negotiation process and really streamline it for the entire company. So it didn't matter who you were um, or how much leverage you had coming in. Everyone had to fit within these bands. And so far, I, I can say it, it's it's worked really well. That's here about. And yeah, I mean, if to the point you made before, if we didn't feature this specific confession, there are plenty more that were so similar to this one. So yeah, it's it's not a one-off problem. And and whatever, I mean, I love you know what you're doing at Dribble to try to address it. It's like if you're in a company and you're not doing anything to address this issue, do something. You know, at least recognize that it's an issue and try to do something. So I love yeah. that. Um, I'll add my takeaway uh, from this episode and. We have to remind ourselves that we're not really getting the whole story. We're just getting a, a very thin slice of the story. And just like those very companies might be calling people that we've worked with as references, we should be doing the same to get a feel for what that company's culture is really like. So uh, I, whether it's looking for people that have worked with the company in the past and, and reaching out to them, um, hopefully, you know, they've worked there recent enough where they could speak the truth about the culture. I'd say look at how they respond. I mean, that could be pretty telling and it could give you a really clear picture of what life is really like to work there. Absolutely. Interviews are meant to be a two-way street. Oftentimes we think of them as a one-way interview. Absolutely. Thank you so That's much for listening point. to Doing Rocket Chip. Doing your own Chip. due diligence your Well, I think it's a great takeaway. It's great advice. And, and that will pretty much bring us to the end of today's episode. So join us next week. We'll have another friend We're also join us on the show and help us dissect two more workplace shows from the podglomerate. Go to the podglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com. No, I think this is good. I feel like I went on like a tirade on that second one, but I'm very oh, passionate. Honestly, about it. that deserves a tirade. So I think that's great. I think it I think it makes total sense. Awesome.